listening to the CIPD podcast series. Hello and welcome to the programme where this month we'll be exploring organisational development. Now, although OD is a concept that's been around for over 50 years, there's still quite a bit of confusion over what exactly it is and how it's used in people management. So we're going to hear from three organisations that have been using OD to facilitate change and improve performance. We'll be speaking to HR professionals from Cancer Research UK, Nationwide and IBM to get a better understanding of how they've used OD in their work. First off, I spoke to Linda Holby. She's the CIPD Director of Research and Practice and a leading expert on OD. So how exactly does she define it? OD is is really the development of the organisation as a whole system to create a healthy and effective organisation. So that's the intent of it. It's about um, consciously, deliberately trying to stimulate the conditions in which people can give of their best and the organisation can survive and thrive in its context. And it's a set of processes that are used to bring about change, but it's also very much working with the organisation as it is and trying to um, build the strengths of the organisation where they exist and, and also work across some of the internal barriers to performance that exist and try and get the organisation operating through its different parts more effectively. It's a big concept to get your arms around, isn't it? Because it, it basically covers everything that organisations do because it's about enhancing performance across the board, about getting the best out of everything that the organisation is there to do. So it's a daunting thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. how, how do people start with it? Well, it is daunting, and as you say, because it's holistic and it does really embrace both the human and the strategic aspects of organisations... Um, and therefore it's got many complex subsets at the same time it doesn't have to be that complicated and you know arguably um, the best OD is where you start where you start as opposed to I wouldn't start from here you know and you don't have to start with some enormous strategy no and very often um, and very much uh, you know if you listen to practitioners who are working within organizations as well as consultants who are consulting with organizations from the outside uh, very often it will be a an issue that organisations are trying to fix, that then if you just deal with that issue as if it's something that can be solved in its own right, uh, it's highly unlikely that you'll create a sustainable solution. So almost invariably, wherever you start, you can build out and understand how X interacts with Y. And actually, if you're going to produce a sustainable result, you've got to work with Y as well. And and part of that is using some of these more dynamic processes that bring lots of people together to understand how this thing connects up with other things that actually in itself starts to drive the change you want to see and build the capability. At Cancer Research UK, Christine Lloyd, the People and Organisational Development Director, was brought in to head up an OD strategy a few years ago. I asked her why a strategy was needed. I think the context in which um, I started working was very much in the context of merger. A couple of years earlier, um, the charity had been formed out of two smaller charities. And my remit really was to create one CRUK culture. 
And, and that's how I started working within Cancer Research UK. But I think the interesting thing, um, within probably six months, what they said was the original remit actually turned out not to be the remit. So the remit originally was help us continue the work we've done on the merger and create one single culture. It took me about six months to realise that wasn't the case. And what what we needed to do was actually um, respect the identity of all the diverse cultures. And so the OD challenge was to actually keep the cultures as, as diverse as possible and find the um, minimum amount of glue that would actually join those cultures together. By no means an easy remit and a change that was going to take some time to bring about. I asked Christine how long it took for the full impact of the merger to become clear. The real sort of aha moment for me, the real insight was about two years in, where we did start to get kickback against centralisation and alignment. And it suddenly became very clear, having got a certain degree of um, alignment and consistency, now was the time to let go and to really um, enable people to go um, back almost into their own cultural groupings. Uh, But having had the understanding of the importance of some consistency but really for the next year or so it was a period of encouraging and valuing diversity and I think that was a really important phase in our development of we really value difference so it's the minimum amount of glue if you like that can hold the organisation together while still enabling innovation and creativity. So common goals but lots of autonomy what next? Um, I think we, we've now, our, our next stage of our strategy um, is, is integration. And um, I suppose, it, and, and this is what I mean about the oscillating nature of the, of the OD work that we've been doing, um, we, people have gone into more functional areas. The next stage is now to regionalise a lot of our work in, into what we're calling cancer research centres. And we're quite London-centric at the moment. We will have 20 centres around the country. And if I just take one example, if I take Manchester, the the idea of a centre is that we'd have um, an NHS trust, we'd have um, the research department of a university, and we'd have the cancer research, fundraising and um, scientific work all happening on the same site. This is devolution in in a very big way. Yes, and and um, I think my challenge is certainly at the moment is the the constant um, tensions between centralisation and devolution. At Nationwide, they've been using OD to try and encourage a healthy attitude towards change. James Anderson Dixon is the organisational development manager there, and he's been part of a team implementing a wellness management programme to help people do this. So, how effective has it been so far? The department itself has gone through uh, and is continuing to go through a lot of change and um, trying to help people to remain positive during that change has been really, really difficult. And we've used um, this particular approach to help people to understand uh, that the the, the impact of change is going to have on them individually and also how they can kind of better manage and deal with change as it occurs. And um, off the back of the wellness programme, we also developed um, a programme specifically to help people to kind of um, manage change much more effectively. And that's gone down really well as well. What sort of change are you talking about? 
It's structural change within the departments, the changes of roles and responsibilities um, that have been designed by my colleagues on the senior management team. And these changes are driven by um, need to, to be much more efficient and much more effective. I mean, those are the kind of buzz descriptions at the moment, but it's very much about organisational effectiveness. Um, so it's, it's really tailored to help people to kind of um, more effectively deal with change to respond to changes in their roles and responsibilities and their sense of being, their sense of identity, which ultimately that can have an impact on as well. So what have they been doing to help employees through the change? We've set up um, a variety of different communities of practice. So these are virtual environments where we encourage people to ba- basically share their learning. One of the things that um, the, the head of the department has been instrumental in doing is actually taking some of our suppliers uh, um, who actually in the big wide world are competitors, putting them together and actually encouraging them to collaborate. And that's been a real, real challenge uh, and actually one of our greatest successes. How have they responded to that? Initially, some of them were very sceptical, weren't quite sure what we were trying to achieve. And we have now have a, a, a collective of about five, six, six suppliers um, who, as I mentioned, are at the Big Wild World um, competitors. But we've brought them together and they're collaborating in a way that, um, you know, they themselves wouldn't have believed um, with, with stuff that some organisations would view as kind of commercially sensitive. But what they began to learn very, very quickly, you know, within about 18 months to two years, actually, um, you know, retaining knowledge is about power and control, sharing it is about liberation. And it's made such a powerful difference um, to the effectiveness of, of this particular group of organisations and therefore the service that we actually provide to, to Nationwide and our stakeholders. A great example there of how OD is being used to positively change behaviour, encourage new approaches to business practices and produce real commercial benefits as well. Martina Platt leads a division within human capital management at IBM. We do the kind of what I would call the traditional organisation development. So there is a big change going on in a company. Given that I work for IBM, a lot of these changes will be kind of large systems that are being implemented or um, outsourcing, moving work from the company to IBM. So so there will be um, organisation development services around that. Um, and then the other bit that is probably more specific to the um the people that I um, work with on a day-to-day basis is what we call workforce transformation, workforce management. So it's basically how can we manage our workforce and our people to um, be, you know, the most productive and value-adding and efficient for the business overall. So if I'm understanding you right, you take a, a pretty structured approach to OD in the sense that you you look at what you've got in terms of people and objectives and you prioritise... And then it's presumably a question of putting in place particular uh, solutions, depending on which area you're dealing with. But if I was one of your 7,000 people around the world, what would I experience as as part of um, this this whole process? Uh, That's a good question. You know, we are, we're, uh, IBM is an American company, uh, American-owned. It's a global company the way it operates, but it's an American company. We're quoted on the stock exchange. You know, we have quarterly results that we have to deliver against. Um, And, and, you know, I suppose my approach to OD or my job generally is, you know, it's it's kind of driving towards, uh, you know, those very hard, specific business measurements. So it's a mix of that along with, well, you know, 
it is only about the people that, that we've got in our business or my part of the business and therefore if I don't encourage them, motivate them, make them feel that they want to work in the culture, I suppose be kind of performance oriented, you know, then, you know, it, it, it is quite a, um, you know, it's a, a numbers and targets driven culture. So people have to be the kind of people that really would like to work in that kind of organisation. Yes, it's a task-orientated environment, isn't it? People know what they have to do, they go out and do it, and they're rewarded accordingly. They're, they're, they're rewarded accordingly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure my uh, you know, some people would uh, kind of wince at, uh, you know, describing it in, in that way and, and task-oriented. But, yeah, I, I think it is, you know, drumbeats are provided to us on kind of targets on a you know, on a very regular basis, and, and therefore, you know, I have to organise around those things. You're listening to the CIPD podcast series. So OD can be used in very different ways in organisations, from facilitating major change to driving better performance. But should it be seen as a one-off solution designed to solve a particular problem? Here's James Anderson-Dixon at IBM. Is this an ongoing process or, or a closed-ended project? Another good question. It's very much an ongoing um, process because not only is, is change a constant, but we've got to constantly deal with the changes that constantly come our way. So, so it is a never, uh, what I would say, a, a, an emerging and never-ending process. Here's Linda Holbeach. It's something that should be ongoing. It should be sort of built into the DNA of strategy, really. How can we, whatever we want to do as, a, as an organisation, how can we build our capability to deliver that? How do we need to have people interacting? How do we need to make sure that information flows appropriately and so on? And change, change management, which is sort of what you were alluding to, is a set of interventions that fit within that broader system. The challenge is that most people don't take an OD approach. They're not looking at building the organisation's capabilities on an ongoing basis. So then change management becomes like, in reality, it's an interruption to business as usual, as opposed to being part of business as usual, where you know the kind of change you're trying to bring about. As with any people management programme, demonstrating delivery against a strong business case is vital in maintaining the backing of senior managers. I asked Christine Lloyd how she does that at Cancer Research UK. Measurement is, is um, a, an interesting topic, as I think it is for, for all organisations. Um, how do we measure? Obviously, the amount of funds coming in is one of our measures of can we really persuade the public that we are making those scientific breakthroughs? And so um, the amount of money we raise is, is one of the measures. A um, bit of a crude one, but it is an important one. And we've grown double-digit growth now for um, the last five years since um, since merger in 2002. Even in the current downturn, yes, we're predicting um, stabilisation of that, but we're not predicting huge shortfalls. Um, we do believe that the, the general public see us as successful, have confidence in us and have trust in us. So I think our revenue is one of the major measures. It sounds as if this has been extremely successful so far, and, and I take it it's an ongoing process that will never come to a close. It's certainly an ongoing process. Um, Success in terms of the external world, we will be tested in the current downturn and we're, we're under no illusions. We know it will be much, much harder to raise the money that our scientists are dependent on for the medical breakthroughs. Internally, 
Um, success, absolutely, now that um, my main measure might sound a strange one, but it's worked in all my organisations. It's when um, I go into an organisation and people don't understand what OD is. Um, but within, hopefully, my time skill is usually about three years to get to this state. But within three years, I then have line managers telling me that this particular activity is an OD activity. And that is my real measure when line managers are saying we need the OD team in here or I'm thinking of doing this and and it's part of an organisational development strategy. And I hear that language coming from them. That is my measure internally. For more information, you can go to the OD Fact Sheet on the CIPD website. And there'll be a lot more on OD at the CIPD's annual HRD conference this April, including an all-day masterclass led by two experts from the US. Next month, we'll be doing a redundancy special. We'll be looking at the practical processes involved, as well as how to go about managing the fallout and minimising the negative impacts. As well as a team of experts, we'll hear from HR professionals with direct personal experience of making redundancies. Until then, goodbye. You've been listening to the CIPD podcast series.